Warning, this episode contains brain food that will lead to improved emotional and social intelligence. Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven media that promotes well-being from the inside out. Each week, Lisa spotlights diverse trendsetters and change agents who are the greatest contemporary thinkers and doers, devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, is a widely recognized applied positive psychology expert, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in optimal lifestyle management. Let's get to it. Here's Lisa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Thanks for joining us on today's show, where you will learn about home entertaining for the holidays, the art of hosting and creating an atmosphere for celebration. My first guest is Jenny Kane. She is the creator of the laid-back luxe lifestyle brand that enjoys cult status amongst celebrities. Inspired by organic textures, thoughtful simplicity, and natural landscapes, she has quickly become an all-encompassing lifestyle brand rooted in California minimalism. She is the author of the book Pacific Natural, Simple, Seasonal, Entertaining. And we're talking about entertaining with style and zip and vim and vigor. And Jenny is in the house. Hey, Jenny. Hi, thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. Let's define California minimalism. As a California girl myself, I think I know what that is. But for everybody else out there, I think we need to give them the cliff notes. So to me, California minimalism is all about living well. It's about a beautiful, organic and natural aesthetic it's about slowing down and really having your environment embody um, the way that you want to feel. So less is more. Everything's timeless. Everything should work together. So when we talk about the visual on that, how does this translate from the decor into the clothing that we wear for not just ourselves as the host or hostess or lady or gentleman of the house, but for the entire family? Yeah. So for me, um, I'm equally as inspired by what I'm wearing as to how I'm, how I'm designing my home, what I'm setting my table with, what I'm putting in and on my body, how my kids are dressing, like all the small details in life are important. So I, I really embody this overall lifestyle and California has been such an inspiration for that. And the idea of, you know, really living in nature having an ease and a comfort, having, you know, this feeling of, of living well and living in the rhythm with nature. When you talk about the California lifestyle and how it, in, it is embodied within your kids, you are a busy mom. You're raising three young kids, which is a huge job unto itself. But how does this style translate into the ease of your daily living and how you entertain? So to me, I really think as women, we can do it all. And I really try to practice what we, what I preach, which is, you know, living well is about balance. So finding the balance between being a mom and coming back into my kitchen and, and, you know, being a homemaker and being a great wife. And then also like having a career that inspires me and, and fills me up every day. And at the same time, in order to do all of that, it's really important to, to do things that make me feel good about myself. So I think living in California, the lifestyle really is about 
balance and self-care. So whether that's riding my horse in the morning after I drop my kids off at school, but before I go to work or taking a hike, being outside with my animals, Pilates, you know, all of that kind of stuff and making time for yourself. It's like putting your airplane mask on first before you help your child. I think the more that I'm kind of feeling good and feeling balanced and, and in the moment, the better mom I am, the better, you know, boss I am, the better I am in my, in my marriage, it it all trickles down. And how does this trickle down to entertainment? You know, when you put on a small dinner party or a casual, you know, midweek evening dinner, let's say, how does this lifestyle get embodied in events that are large and small? Yeah. So I decided to write my first book on effortless entertaining because I really love coming together with those I love. I think coming around a table, setting a beautiful table, cooking delicious food, and you know, curating some sort of tablescape is really an amazing way to kind of slow down, be in rhythm with nature, because I really believe in cooking and eating seasonally and, and kind of creating traditions around that. And then being able to like make time to get together with friends and family because so often we're so busy that we kind of push that to the side. And if you make an effort to entertain, I think um, it pays off, you know, tenfold. I do have some tricks that help me, which is preparing as much ahead of time. Don't have a bunch of people over and entertain if, if you're super stressed and busy because it's meant to be effortless. You're not supposed to be stressed. I think that when you walk, when people walk through the door at your home, you want to give off um, the vibe that you want for the evening. So if you're running around like still prepping everything and and not feeling ready and nervous, then that's the energy that's going to come off, you know, to your guests. So you really want to have as much done ahead of time. Not everything has to be perfect. And, and have fun, be a guest at your own party. Let's talk a little bit about that advanced prep, because it seems as though experts like yourself cannot emphasize that enough. For a party to go well, prep, prep, prep well in advance. One of the other guests that your partner on this show, Alex Hitz, he talks about, you know, even pre-cooking everything. So all you're doing is reheating. You're not toiling. You're able to then show up and be a guest at your own party. Totally. So some of my tricks are no one needs to be setting the table the day of. I love to set the table a day or two ahead of time. My kids are super helpful. That's that's kind of one of the family chores that I get them involved with. So we kind of lay everything out a day or two ahead of time. Flowers may come last, but you know, plates can sit on your table longer than you think. And then in terms of cooking, I like to prep anything that can be done a day or two in advance. So any sort of chopping, I I sometimes have my nanny or my children help me if I have a super busy week, kind of get everything super organized. I like to kind of have on hand sauces and grains pre-cooked in the fridge and in the pantry. So I have like a great chimichurri recipe, a great tahini, a great pesto all in the book. And sometimes on a Saturday or Sunday, like my kids and I will just sit and go to the farmer's market and kind of bang out a couple of sauces that I know I will use later that week when I have friends over. And having, you know, grains pre-cooked makes it really easy to throw a bowl together or throw a salad together. And I think always having fresh herbs on hand is important. So yes, I think prepping as much in advance, but also I'm not a chef. I love to cook and I've gotten better and better, but not everything has to be room, you know, hot. Things can be room temperature. So 
you know, pay attention to what needs to be cooked in the oven versus on the stovetop so that you have a nice balance and just pop things in at the end when guests are coming over. Don't be like slaving over the stove. I love this prep in advance. I mean, this is one of my go-to tricks is, you know, to have lots of vegetables that are chopped and in containers and and stuff that is at the ready that I might not use it all for one recipe. I might use it for two or three different recipes, but it makes the time in the kitchen really pleasurable, you know, and, and easy. Yeah, I agree. With the holidays being around the corner, let's talk about that holiday season and creating an event that is not overly fussy, but takes on the, the flavor of, of the holiday or the season itself. So I love the holidays. My father is Jewish and my mom grew up Episcopalian. So to us, it has nothing to do with religion. And it's all about tradition and coming together with friends and family. So we do a lot. I think I really believe in being inspired by the season. So for me, you know, October, November, it's, it's harvest season. It's, it's squashes and pumpkins and root vegetables and all of those kinds of things inspire my meals. So... I think kind of looking to your farmer's market or if you're growing your own food and letting that really inspire your tabletop and inspire a meal. I love using, you know, fruits and vegetables and herbs as centerpieces and then, you know, cooking them later in the week. So it's less waste and it also is really beautiful and you don't need a florist. Yeah, I love that too. And I'm glad that you brought that up because many of us go to the holiday season and we think, well, we need to, you know, go out and buy a bunch of of decorations for the house. And you're saying, no, draw upon nature, draw upon, you know, materials that can be repurposed, you know, later in the week after the event. And that taps into that California minimalism that you described. Totally. And also like with the seasons changing and, and look at what's in your garden and you can, you can, you know, go and forage in your neighborhood and and really find a lot of beauty there. You don't always have to go in, to the market or the flower market or the farmer's market, whatever it is. <laughs> well, you bring up an interesting point. I mean, people who live, you know, in other areas besides, you know, coastal Southern California, every area has indigenous plants and flowers that can be, you know, cultivated and used on the table and to buy produce that is local to, you know, to your area and use that, you know, like, for example, pumpkins are really plentiful right now. Well, they make fantastic centerpieces. I totally agree. Yeah. I think looking to what's in season, you can never really go wrong. And if you pay attention, like living in California, everyone kind of laughs at me that I wrote a book that's separated by season because you don't necessarily feel them, feel the seasons here, unless you're really kind of grounded and paying attention to me, the older that I've gotten and the more in rhythm with nature, my life has become the more sensitive I am to them. And I really do crave certain things, you know, different times of the year. So as the weather turns colder, I want to eat like stews and soups and chilies and and all different things like that and, and warming foods and have tea every day when I get home from work. And then in the spring, I crave, you know, detoxifying raw herbs and salads. And it's true. You just have to kind of pay attention to it. We're going to take a break in a moment. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Jenny Kane. She is the author of Pacific Natural, Simple, 
seasonal entertaining. I want to ask you when we come back, Jenny, to talk a little bit about crafts and decor and getting the whole family involved in that to really have pride of place in the home and and partying. Um, to learn more about Jenny's work, please visit JennyKane.com on Twitter at Jenny Kane and on Facebook, Jenny Kane. And guess what? Instagram is Jenny Kane as well. Here comes the break. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. Hang on just a sec. Before we go to the break, I want to talk with you about how lifelong learning boosts human happiness. It's true. It's true. Research has proven that happy people are more curious and passionate types who love learning new things and experiencing new adventures, which keep the mind, body, and spirit alive and flourishing. Today's episode of Harvesting Happiness is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online community of makers and knowledge seekers with thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of creative, professional, and entrepreneurial skills. So whether you want to gain new expertise, pick up a hobby, or challenge yourself to get outside of your comfort zone, Skillshare offers a ton of opportunity to expand and grow. Right now, I'm taking Easy and Versatile Baking, the one yeast dough you need to know, with Chef Julia Tertian, because I simply love bread and want to learn how to make amazing loaves myself. Lifelong learning is essential to my own happiness because it keeps me engaged with life and connected with a community of fellow seekers. What I love about Skillshare's unique virtual platform is that it allows and encourages online engagement with my teachers and fellow students. I get to see what other students are making and share what I've created. So why not join me and millions of other students on Skillshare? For a limited time, listeners of Harvesting Happiness get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering listeners two months of unlimited access for free. So what are you waiting for? Go grab some free happiness over at Skillshare.com slash HH. Once again, that's Skillshare.com slash HH. One more time, just in case, Skillshare.com slash HH. Now here comes the break. We'll be right back. And that is a guarantee. To learn more about cultivating sustainable well-being at home and the office, visit HarvestingHappiness.com and explore Lisa's experiential on-site brain fitness workshops, corporate programming, and speaking engagement services. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us now, we're talking about home entertaining for the holidays, the art of hosting and creating an atmosphere for celebration. Let's get back to the conversation with my guest today, Jenny Kane. Jenny, talk a little bit about how to involve the children in crafts and decor. So I love finding activities that we can do together as a family. And obviously, different kids, different ages, it depends. But now that Tanner is almost 11 and Ripley is 8, I love to craft with them. For the, I think pretty much for the last couple of years, they've been able to do some really fun things. So I like making little gift toppers or takeaways, depending on the event, for my guests to have at their place setting. So anything from making like a pumpkin body scrub, which is great this time of year, which is so easy and fun and the kids love to do, to, you know, like a smudge bundle that could be a fire starter over the holidays to kind of infused bath salts in the spring with different herbs. So I think that you can really involve them and and they get really creative and, and have a lot of fun with it. And again, these are things that don't cost a lot of money that are, you know, craft. They're made by hand, right? They're a part of oneself that we give to our guests 
to help memorialize the the event or the evening, you know, that they, that they come to visit us. Talk about dressing yourself and your family for the event, because this is something I hadn't thought about. So I, my rule is always to wear flats. I think when people come over, the way that you're dressed really sets the tone for the evening. And I want everything to feel relaxed and effortless. So to me, that's, that's one of the ways. And I'm also known to just take my shoes off. I really believe at Jenny Kane in finding your uniform. So after having children, to me, getting dressed every day and kind of reinventing my look and what I was wearing didn't work for me. I really needed to find what worked for my body type, what worked for my lifestyle. And to me, that became a uniform. I think if we really think about what we're wearing every day, usually it's pretty much the same thing over and over again, maybe a slight variation. So taking the pressure off of trying to like reinvent the wheel and being cool and trendy, I think makes a huge difference in, in how we feel. To me, it's a pair of high-waisted jeans and a collared shirt or a great sweater with a pair of flats, but it could be, it could be so many different things to so many different people. And when you talk about finding your uniform, you suggest that we do this through our social media posts, that we look at what we are, are attracted to within social media and go there. Totally. So I use Instagram for inspiration, but I also use Pinterest, especially when I'm entertaining kind of finding inspiration on Pinterest is amazing. But when it comes to what I'm wearing or what I'm inspired by for clothing, it's no different. We did a campaign, Jenny Kane, called Find Your Uniform, where we showed three different women who are different lifestyles, different looks. And we we showed our customers all of the different items that we make that to us are core staple items that every woman should have in their in their closet. What What kinds of things do you make at Jenny Kane? So we make a lot. <laughs> we're all lifestyle business, but we're really known for our for our sweaters and for our shoes. And we now do tabletop. Um, we do home decor. We're starting to do furniture. And I'm working on, on beauty um, currently, which I'm very excited about. Oh, that is exciting. Really, really yeah. exciting. Um, let's go back to a well-stocked pantry. And I want to go back to Jenny King because I want to talk about more of what you're making over there. But the well-stocked pantry, give us your, your favorite go-tos that should be on the shelves in, in, in every home. So I'm a Virgo and I like things to look beautiful and organized. And a pantry is like the perfect place to do that. So I think having the right baskets and jars is the first step, whether it's mason jars, wet jars, or whatever kind of glass jar you like. I've been really into shopping in the bulk section lately. I think the less waste and plastic and, you know, stuff like that, that, you know, we can get rid of in our lives. And also you can save money by shopping in the bulk section, which I think people don't really realize. So stocking up in your pantry on the right grains, you know, different kinds of rice, pasta, barley, quinoa, like all of those kinds of things, having a beautiful spice drawer, which again, I, I use my own glass containers and do craft labels on and having great spices because that makes such a difference in your cooking, um, different kinds of legumes so that you can quickly throw things together. So, you know, for me, it's black beans, chickpeas, red lentils, green lentils. And then I always have herbs on hand. I think um, being able to throw some vegetables in the oven and roast them and then like put a great sauce on top because you have herbs or just season them with herbs makes a huge difference. 
Oh, now you're making me hungry when you talk about <laughs> all the beans and the herbs. Mm. Um, and, and, and what I also hear you saying is that sort of the everyday cooking, that everyday way of being in the household scales up to an event when you're entertaining. It needn't get real complicated. Totally. I mean, some of my favorite recipes in the book are the simplest. So we have a beautiful um, mushroom frittata. You can change the the vegetables you're putting into it and have it be appropriate for any season. You can chop and um, saute all your veggies ahead of time, have everything ready, and then make the frittata an hour before people come over. It's great for brunch and it's great for dinner and a, you know, a great source of protein for those who don't eat meat. And another one is our, um, our summer chili, which again, you could take the corn out and it could be a winter chili. So I think doing things that are simple, but delicious are, is really, you know, the easiest and best way to go. I also, never make anything for the first time when I have a group of people over. Amen. I hear that that is gospel. <laughs> I'm not a seasoned chef who, who feel has the confidence to, to wing it. And, and I would be very, I'd be very sad if it didn't turn out delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to Jenny Kane as a lifestyle brand and the products that you started out with when you started out in business, what was your focus and direction then? And how far have you come? So I started my business when I was 19. I've almost been in business for 20 years. I started as a traditional fashion brand. My sweaters have always been my bread and butter, but I always had a vision of having a lifestyle brand, super inspired by Ralph Lauren and kind of what he has built. And in the past couple of years, I've been able to open up into more categories to really bring that to life, which has been incredible and and very rewarding and inspiring. And I'm pretty much direct to consumer. I have a partnership with Nordstrom, but I have seven of my own boutiques um, across the country, most of them in California, but one in Denver, Colorado, and one in New York. And we're expanding to Seattle and and hopefully some other um, cities and states around the country next year. How exciting. And you talk about furniture coming online, which is very cool. Yeah. So um, I'm very, very passionate about interiors and I love designing my own homes and, and my family's homes. So kind of making furniture was a perfect next step. We've, we have a side table and a bench and we're starting to look at some, some bigger categories. Oh, that's wonderful. And is it the idea that it embodies this sort of California minimalism in, in the design? Totally. Everything at Jenny Kane is about living well, and it all feels like a reflection of, of California. And I think when you walk into any of our stores, or if you would visit the website, you'll really, you'll really see that the brand um, embodies that. And when you talk about creating a stylish home, your vision is not being overly done, but being done with taste and mindfulness. Totally. It's all about how you live and how you want to function in that space. And for me, that's a neutral palette with organic surfaces, you know, like lots of wood and jute. And I mean, everyone always makes fun of me that <laughs> the jute is my favorite color. <laughs> <laughs> my baby is 21 months old. And anytime he sees a bright color, he screams color, color, because I think he lives in a, in a world of beige. <laughs> But yet, I'm, I'm sure you bring in color, you know, when we're talking about, you know, the seasonality of, of things and decor and entertainment, that there, there is so much color that's brought in by food itself. 
exactly by food and by florals and and pottery and accents but to me I always want the base to feel neutral calm and timeless and if I add too much texture and color to that I find that I want to replace it more often and I don't think that that really is in line with the way that I live so I would rather have accents and pops of color that can come and go seasonally by the way, I agree with you. That's how I like to do to do my homes. You know, there's their little smatterings of color because then you can not feel guilty about wanting to change, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the more that we can do, you know, in our lives in every area that's timeless and 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 the less waste we can create, you know, the better the better it is for everyone. I really appreciate you saying that. You know, when we're talking about being aware of our environment and not having waste and and really being able to be mindful in the products that we we use and how we shop. You talk about, you know, stocking the pantry and really taking care in creating this pantry that is serviceable with with products that are able to be reused. Totally. Shopping in bulk. I really, really appreciate you sharing that with, with all of us. It's a great reminder. Yeah, I think, I think the bulk, I was talking about this with friends. I did a meditation retreat last week at our home in Tahoe. And we were talking about how, you know, the bulk section has such a bad reputation as like just being for like hippies and older people. And it's so not what it is. It's exactly the same products that we buy, sometimes even better. And, you know, no waste. You can bring your own containers in. You can really, you know, be as thoughtful about it as, as you want. And it's less expensive. Yeah. Well, I recently shopped in the bulk department. I bought pastry flour to bake my kids a little care package. And I was like, you know, this was this was really good. I didn't buy more than I needed. I didn't wasn't sitting with flour that I wouldn't be, you know, using forever in a day, which is typical. What we'll do, we'll buy big bags of stuff and it will sit and it will expire. Exactly. One buys what one needs and, you know, have yourself looking stylish while you're doing it in those mason jars or whatever it is. I mean, Ikea, I mean, I hate to plug for Ikea on the show, but they've got great storage lines within their store. They have, um, you know, like glass Tupperware with wood tops now even. They've done a really good job. That's what I've got in my kitchen. They're bamboo, (laughs) glass with bamboo tops. And there they're very happening, very, very stylish. <laughs> so I know I want to ask you a personal question. As mm-hmm. a, a mom, as a wife, as a business person, as sort of a, a style leader, what do you find are your top tips for maintaining your sanity and your happiness in your busy life? Stay grounded and in the moment. So for me, that's a meditation practice. I just did a meditation weekend, my second one with um, these two women who are incredible. They just started this company called Well Soul Workshops, and that has been like life changing for me. Um, you know, making time for self care. So whether that's getting a facial or riding your horse or taking a hike or doing Pilates, you know, taking time for yourself. And then I think having a great team at home and at work, whether that's family that's your team at home or or a great nanny you know, you can't do it all without help. And my team at work is incredible. So to me, it's about, you know, kind of finding that balance of of how much I can be in the office versus, you know, how much I'm with my family so that my life really feels good. To learn more about lifestyle maven Jenny Kane, please visit her website, JennyKane.com on Twitter at Jenny Kane. Facebook and Instagram are also Jenny Kane. The book we've been talking about today is Pacific Natural, Simple, Seasonal, Entertaining. And Jenny, thanks for these great tips on uh, finding our style and being able to express it and 
Thanks for hanging out with me. Thank you so much for having me. A pleasure. Here comes the break. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. Did you know that happiness is actually good for your health? Happy people live longer, are more productive, and make better partners, parents, and professionals. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. Talking about home entertaining for the holidays, the art of hosting and creating an atmosphere for celebration, my next guest is Alex Hitz. Alex Hitz is an award-winning chef, speaker, columnist, event designer, and master host. He has been a frequent guest on Today, Access Hollywood, CBS Morning, and more than 40 other television shows. His first book, My Beverly Hills Kitchen, was featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Vogue, Vanity Fair, and many others. He is a contributing editor at House Beautiful, Town and Country, Departures, Southern Living, and more. And he is in the house with me today. Alex, thanks for joining us on the show. Well, hi there. How are you? Great to be here. Great to be here. Let's talk about what it means to be a thoughtful host, because there are some distinct do's and don'ts. Well, that is for sure. I mean, there's so many that it's hard to name, but let's just go through a few. The first thing is to never, ever, ever stop smiling. (laughs) That is the number one thing. Anything can go wrong and anything will go wrong. But as long as you sort of take it in stride, it's going to be okay. So kind of, you know, put yourself out there and say, you know what, I'm having a good time. I'm showing up. I'm making my guests feel good and just roll with it. Do everything ahead of time. Organize everything. Get it set. Stick to a schedule. But then once it starts, don't sort of freak out and have a fit and, you know, be in the kitchen and have a lot of stress. Nobody wants to see that. You know, that's key to it, in my view. Well, let's go back to a second to the planning, because I think this is something that many of us underestimate. You know, we think of, you know, throwing a party and entertaining is something that should just be, you know, organic and flow and be easy. But the reality of it is when we are entertaining, we are creating an event. You're creating a production. Yes. You are creating a piece of theater and a piece of theater or a movie or a concert has to exist in time. That's why you have to have a schedule for it and stick to it because otherwise you're going to bore your audience and inconvenience them and that's going to be a disaster. Let's talk a little bit about not boring the audience, the flow of an event and the exquisite attention that needs to be paid to the details and the flow and the schedule, the timing of the event. Well, first of all, never have a cocktail hour that is any longer than 45 minutes. Okay. That is the kiss. <laughs> That's the kiss of death to me because people start wondering, where's the food? What, what's going to happen? Uh, you know, you know, and then if the, if the ladies are sitting around in their high heels, they're uncomfortable or, you know, people get anxious or whatever. You never, ever, ever have a cocktail hour that's any longer than 45 minutes. Yeah. You know, also never wait on anybody. If a guest is late, it's his or her problem, not yours. And do not punish the people who have gotten there on time 
by rewarding the ones with bad behavior who are late. So let's just hold there for a second. You are ready to sit down for dinner and Joe is not there. You sit down for dinner, you serve dinner, you embrace Joe when he comes in, seat him and let him go into the flow of the event. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. We're not going to, you know, Joe's going to make an entrance and whatever. It's going to disrupt everything. It's not ideal, but we're certainly not going to wait on Joe. Yeah. And I think that that's something that many of us don't understand that, that you know, and when, when we have been laboring over our beautiful meals, and I can speak for myself because I love to cook, timing is everything, right? To get that mm-hmm. stuff all time so it comes out and can be plated and served at the same time takes some knowledge. Well, I'm going to listen. I'm going to dial it down a little bit more on that. I think everything should be done way ahead of time and then heat it up so you don't have the stress of last minute timing of, you know, this or that. A hasty saute that gets ruined, whatever, that's going to also be a disaster. So if you want to have a foolproof system, make sure you do everything ahead of time and heat it up. So not just chopping and prepping. This is the this is the full cooking, the full Monty. The full Monty, plus it's going to taste better because everything that sits tastes better than if it's freshly done. So let's go back to the timing. Joe's mm. late. We seat him anyway. We're down for dinner. How dare Joe be late, by the way? How dare he? <laughs> the mythical Joe. Joe Guest. Yeah. So He what, needs to learn some manners, Joe. Yeah, but, you know, here's the other side of it. In the society that we live in, those of us that come from metropolitan areas where, you know, traffic is a big deal, you know, Los Angeles, for example, you can have the best intentions to show up on time and, you know, some someone something happens. Someone has an accident. I, I mean, look, there's always going to be some sort of a pratfall and act of God and whatever. But if you live in Los Angeles or you live in New York, you know there's going to be traffic. Yeah. You know what time you're there. You know you have to be there, and you have to allow for it. You know, I mean, it's it's somebody comes in and says, "Oh my God, the traffic." Well, everybody else had traffic too. Yeah. So you're saying that accepting that invitation puts the onus on the guest to show up Correct. and behave. Correct. <laughs> Correct. You got it. <laughs> There's also a chapter in this book called The Art of the Guest, but we'll go into that another time. Oh, yes. All right. So let's let's talk about um, the element of surprise when we are planning. That's our... a great thing to talk yes, about. Yes. yes. So there's nothing more boring than when somebody calls you and says, I want you to come for dinner on Thursday. We're going to have this. Here's who's going to be there. So they beat the thing to death before the party even starts. There's nothing to look forward to. You always have to have an element of surprise. Do not ever disclose too much information. Play your hand close to your chest on this. So you're suggesting that we don't reveal our menus? Ever. Oh, interesting. Why would you do that? Oh, I don't know. You know, because people like, like, like they, they like to know what to expect. No, they don't. Why, why do we need? Why do they need to know what to expect? They are coming as your guests. They are lucky to be in your house. Whatever you want to give them is fine. And they should, you know, it's not going to be their last meal if they can't eat something, this or that. It's they should just accept it gratefully rather than, you know, sort of making it a condition on whether they come or not. It's the rudest thing I've ever seen. I just I, I can't deal with it. But what in, about the age of, uh, are you vegan, paleo, gluten-free? You know, All I can say is that <laughs> this, this is confusing. Is, I mean, you know how I'm going to react to this, of course. Yes, but I, sassily. <laughs> I, have, I have my own food allergies, and they are very serious, okay? 
and I'm going to do you the great service of not talking about them on this show. Nor do I want to talk about them to any of my hosts or certainly not my waiters when I go to restaurants. I know what I can eat. I know what I can't eat. It's, you know, I don't want to make it anybody else's problem other than mine. And I certainly don't want to do it to a host who's been kind enough to invite me for lunch or dinner. It's too much. And somehow this, pro- this process has become acceptable but it's actually really not. Do you want to go and talk about your heart condition or your diverticulitis or anything else when you go to a restaurant or to someone's house? No. It's not something to talk about. It's not going to be your last meal on earth. If you can't eat something, you can't eat it and go home and eat or eat before you come, but go and accept the generosity that your host has extended. And that is that. Suck it up, buttercup. That's what That's I hear it. you saying, you know. That's and, it. <laughs> and have another don't drink. Don't make it, don't make your problem somebody else's. No, that's not fun for anybody. Well, you know, this is interesting. Although we're talking about, you know, the art of the host and the art of entertaining gracefully and gratefully, what I also hear you saying is that, uh, that we've gone rogue with all of these dietary restrictions, which gets away from the point of congregating. Absolutely. It's it's the same irony that the connectivity we all experience with the cell phones and the, you know, being always online and whatever, ostensibly under the guise of being connected has actually disconnected us. We do not enjoy each other in person anymore. You see, I see families at restaurants sitting at tables. They're all on the phone. None of them are having any, any action, interaction with each other. So all of that stuff that, you know, about the menus and the things and whatever, it has gotten in the way of actually enjoying the experience. Which builds the case for the element to surprise. You show up, you get connected with the folks in the room, and like you say, you either eat it or you don't, and then you can go out afterward or eat something at home. Exactly. Exactly. And I suppose the good guest has a little nibble before he or she arrives anyway, keeping in mind that, that the what's served may or may not be a good fit for one's diet. I mean, listen, if it's a guest that has very strict food restrictions, you know, they're going to hopefully be more intelligent enough to, you know, make accommodations for themselves rather than putting their hosts ill at ease. When you go to someone's house for dinner, it's not a short-order kitchen. It's not a restaurant. It's not an airline, okay? Those things are different. If you want to go to those, you know, to those things and, and dictate exactly what it is you can eat and how you eat it, that's one thing. But when you go to someone's house accepting the generosity of their invitation, you simply don't do it that way. I don't know how this has become so prevalent, but it has. What I'm hearing you say is that you're bringing civility back to the, the art of entertaining. Honey, I'm going to try. Okay, I'm not going <laughs> to it's going to work, but I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm going to try. <laughs> oh my god. I think we've gone a long way. You yeah. know, we've got a long way to go back. But but we can't we can't lose sight of it because it really is it gets in the way of of the whole guest and host experience. And I think that that is the beauty of what this book is really pointing out to us that there's something that we have missed in the digital age. You know, that we sort of the civility of the dining table, it's gone. It is gone. The art of conversation is gone. Everybody wants to take photographs and put it on the Internet to show everybody where, you know, they are and all that. It's just not it's not what it's about. It's about being a host and being a guest is about being together. And honestly, if the food is great, 
that's a boon. If the food is not great, we're not going to die from it. And, you know, the point is that parties are about people and about people being together. And that's what the beginning, middle, and end of it is. Now, having said that, if you serve something out of this book, it's going to be great. I promise. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want to jump into some of the amazing recipes that our listeners must try from your book. We're talking about The Art of the Host, Recipes and Rules for Flawless Entertaining. My guest is Alex Hitz. To learn more about his work, please visit www.alexhitz.com on Twitter at HitzAlex and Facebook Hits Alex and Instagram it's the reverse Alex Hits here comes that break we'll be right back and that is a promise who says money can't buy happiness whether you are a skeptic or seeker check out Lisa's new book are we happy yet eight keys to unlocking a joyful life a boot camp manual for greater emotional fitness is available at Barnes and Noble Amazon IndieBound and HarvestingHappiness.com Here's a truth bomb. Emotions are contagious, and happiness is a universally desired state. But we tend to forget that we all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstances. Explore the journey of human happiness, how to find it and keep it, with Lisa's documentary film, H Factor. Where is your heart? Visit HarvestingHappiness.com to learn more. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this episode. Why? Because sharing is caring. It's kind, free, legal, available 24-7. And we're talking about home entertaining for the holidays, the art of hosting and creating an atmosphere for celebration. Let's get back to the conversation with my guest, Alex Hitz. Alex, let's talk about some of the amazing recipes that our listeners have to try. Well, listen, this book is divided into menus. There are 13 menus plus a couple of other chapters. The first chapter is called The Essential. So that, that's sort of the back pocket, you know, what you need at any time to have people for lunch or dinner. It's the most amazing chicken, veal, or shirt cardboard, as I call it, piccata, or a tagine of lamb with apricots and almonds, uh. or to dive for ale-braised brisket, the perfect cream spinach, a broccoli cheddar gratin, and even you can do a Grand Marnier souffle with vanilla Grand Marnier sauce. Oh, okay. Now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Tagine is one of my favorite dishes, so you had me so there. So great. <laughs> so great. And easy. Super easy. And do it ahead of time. That's my key to everything. Do it all ahead of time. Well, with the recipes that you're, you're talking about, the, the doing ahead of time really does make it taste better. Of course, everything is always better done ahead of time. Yeah, because the flavors just marinate and just um, become more full, robust. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, let's just chat for about the holidays for a second. We've got, you know, the sort of Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, Easter, Halloween, Valentine's, on and on and on. What are some ideas for planning the flawless gathering for any of one of these? Well, look, these are all formulas 
I mean, really prescriptions. Well, that sounds too clinical. They're just formulas for the absolutely perfect every time Thanksgiving. I mean, from the hors d'oeuvres you pass around first, you know, with the champagne to the desserts, three desserts. One of them is, it's an apple confit that Audrey Hepburn gave my dear friend, Connie Wald, who gave it to me. So it's Audrey Hepburn's apple confit. Oh, tell um, us, tell us more about this confit. Well, it's just it's slow cooked apples and sugar and onions, and there's some um, brandy in it too, so <sighs> that makes it super delicious. But anyway, that's you know we've got the perfect every time Thanksgiving dinner because I find so many people that's all they cook anymore is Thanksgiving or Christmas. I've got for Christmas I've got a super swanky but totally do ahead Christmas Eve dinner, which follows sort of the the seven the loaves and I mean the 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 Feast of the Seven Fishes. It's a seafood pot pie. Oh, that's amazing. That sounds um, delish. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty good. And then, you know, it's, it's not just a holiday book because I've got, you know, the perfect Sunday supper to impress even your in-laws, for example, <laughs> <laughs> which I did on the Today Show yesterday. And that's got the perfect roast chicken in it and things like that. It's just the basics that you need for entertaining, you know, a group or just your family at home for whatever occasion. What are some staples that we should always have on hand? Like, you know, the perfect pantry. Well, salted butter, number one. That's the key to every one of my recipes is salted butter. Wait, um, did you hear that, everybody? Salted, salted. butter, but the B and word. I don't, care what the, <laughs> I don't care what the sneering purists say. They say, oh, my God, unsalted, unsalted, whatever. And they say, Oh, they said, oh, you want to be able to control the salt in your dish. So we want to season, you know, season appropriately the butter. Well, I never tasted a dish that became too salty from the butter in my whole life. Not once, not once. So I think that is just a, that's a pretension. Um, and so salted butter is the secret to everything in France, and you should keep it on hand in your pantry as well. The other thing is for cooking, it's table salt and, and ground pepper. Now, when you finish a dish, then it's, you know, the fancier salts like fleur de sel or, you know, freshly ground pepper and something like that. But when you season to start, it is table salt and ground pepper. Uh-huh. And what else? And besides that, we got butter, salt, pepper, more well, staples. That's all you need. That's it. That's it. And then anything that you throw in with it, right? It's, it's, it's going to be need. great. That's, I love that. That's all you need. All right. Yeah. We mentioned that the key to appearing as the perfect host or cook is smile, smile, smile. Any other tips? Well, do everything ahead of time. We talked about that. Yeah. See, oh, the wines. This oh, is a good one. The wines. the wines. So whether you have a waiter serving wines or not, have the wine on the table so that the guests can take it if they if they want to. There's nothing worse than waiting too long for a skimpy portion of wine from a waiter who's got so much else to do. The waiter can refill your glass, but do yourself a favor and your guest and set the wines on the table. Oh, that, that's a very nice tip. Mm -hmm. You have entertained the rich and the powerful, and I would love for you to share a couple of stories with us. Well, listen, that's, that's always a fun thing to do, and certainly you want to put your best foot forward, but the more you try to do that, then, of course, you know, something happens. I was having a, a birthday party for Nancy Reagan some, several year, many years ago, and I was trying a new corn soup recipe. Now, one of the things I really advocate is to never use your guests as guinea pigs ever. So <laughs> I, I, I was, I mean, this was a, this was a cold soup. It was something I was developing for a book and, 
you know, it had a lot of, it was very complicated and had a lot of straining process to it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And on the final strain at like 6.30, as the guests were coming at 7.30 or 8 o'clock, on the final strain over the sink, you know, my hand slipped and the entire corn soup for 24 people went down the drain, quite literally, just oh, like dear. that. <laughs> oh, dear. So, <laughs> so anyway, the moral to that story is buy my first book, which has got avocado soup in it, and it can be ready in about 30 seconds in the Cuisinart, and just have that on hand in case you have some disaster. Uh-huh. Hence, another uh, pantry staple. Always keep ripe uh, avocados on hand. Well, no. My first book is The Other Pantry Staple. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Oh, yeah, I got it. Got it. The other book. That's okay. Ba-dum-bump. Sorry. Silly yeah. me. Silly me. Silly me. But Nancy Reagan was a gracious woman. Yeah, she was great. Yeah. She was great. Well, they don't make them like that anymore, you know? Well, you know, that's, it's a, uh, well, first of all, it's a different generation, a different time and sort of the different rule, world. different world and the rules of civility and engagement are very different now than they were then. Yeah, but why? We're, I mean, yes, we've, the world has come a long way and things, many, many things are different, but human kindness is not different anymore. And, you know, I, I just don't know. I don't know why we've gotten to be these tech people who need to bring the phones everywhere. I mean, it, there's an extreme to it. I remember one time I said to Nancy, I said, Nancy, do you have the Internet? And she said, well, they brought it in, but I had them take it out. It just wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Well, I remember seeing I, I used to live in Westwood in L.A. Yep. And she used to go have lunch at the Bel Air Hotel. And every she, day, yeah, every day. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then they re listen and I would go and have lunch with her a lot and her friends and stuff. And it would be, that was a whole world at that point. It was Warren Beatty at one table, Nancy Reagan at the next table, Betsy Bloomingdale like that. It was all the social people of, of sort of Hollywood and Los Angeles and all that. And sh there was a Nancy Reagan salad. The at that Cobb, hotel. the Cobb, which I don't even know if they have on the menu anymore. Well, they don't. They, I mean, they really don't. And actually they redid the hotel and they fired everybody and they, you know, it, it when they opened it again, then I went there for lunch and they didn't have the salad on the menu anymore. And she said, well, I guess we don't come back here anymore. So anyway, you know, the world just changes. That's the way it is. It's the inevitable way of the world. But it it, it is worth noticing, you know? Yeah. Well, not, not to rib the Bel Air Hotel, but I mean, the dining room just was never as nice. That outdoor patio area after the renovation, it was never as comfortable. There's a golden age for everything. And, and that was that was a golden age. That was an amazing, amazing time. Do you remember um, Carla? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I love Carla. Of course. Yes, yes. She was a fixture. She went and came back. Everybody yeah. missed her, including there Mrs. Reagan. There was an amazing Reagan. manager, like one of the great, the last of the great hoteliers, Frank Bowling, was the manager yes. of that hotel at the time. And what can I say? Everything's different now. Yeah. But yeah. the bottom line is I, what I love about your book and what I love about this conversation is the um, the resurrection. For some of us, it has never been lost. But for many of us, it has or we've never experienced this civility around the, the, the dining room table, the art of dining, the art of truly communing with people that we that we care about over a great meal. Well, listen, at, at a table, everybody is equal. OK, so there's no one that's sort of I mean, if they, you know, they, they're able to let their guard down a little bit, have a have a little wine and, and have a conversation. And I mean, I think that, you know, not to sound simplistic, but I think that so many different 
points of view and things could be solved if there were more of that. In the old days in Washington, you know, that was how they got things done. It was a very social town. And there were hostesses in Washington who would invite, you know, politicians from both sides of the aisle to sort of, you know, have conversations and work things out. And they became friends and they weren't, you know, like diametrically opposed enemies that want to kill each other. I mean, they may have been some of them, but then they would, you know, have a couple of belts and it would be okay. Yeah. Tip O'Neill was a great, <laughs> Tip O'Neill was a great example of that. And that's, that's, um, that's before my time, but it's not really because I started going to Washington in the seventies when I was a child, because my stepfather was appointed to the national council of the arts. Mm. And, and so I went, you know, really to the Kennedy center as a, as a young child and, you know, saw all that socializing that would go on. My parents would go to those big Washington dinners and stuff. And so it's, it you know, that was always interesting to me that, that diverse groups of people getting together around a table. And I think that's what the message is. It's, yeah. um, if you remember it's a part, and I've said it a million times, but a party is about people. So that's, you know, Let's let's not hand out the card that says what we can and can't eat and realize what the main theme of the of the dinner is. Well, Alex, thank you for bringing a flavor of elegance to the show, to our listeners and to the world through your book, The Art of the Host, Recipes and Rules for Flawless Entertaining. To learn more about Alex Hitz and his work, please visit alexhitz.com. On Twitter, he's at HitzAlex, and that's H-I-T-Z. And on Facebook, the page is HitzAlex, and Instagram, it's the reverse, Alex Hitz. You have been a lovely guest. Well, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, anytime. Let's let's come back and talk about how to be a, a good guest. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. There's, a, As I said, there's a whole chapter about that here, too. Well, much success with the book. Here comes the break. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness today. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guest today, Jenny Kane and Alex Hitz, wishing you kind thoughts kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Go out and rock your day. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime and anywhere from the comfort of wherever you are. Subscribe, listen, and share hundreds of downloadable episodes via our free app or from our libraries at toginet.com, iTunes, Google Play, and other fine podcast platforms. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness is produced in collaboration with TogiNet Radio, KBUU Radio Malibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.